you have your Bibles this morning, will you please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We'll be reading the entire chapter. So if you're unable to stand, I completely get it. It's just 20, 21 verses, but I'm going to try to read as best and fast as I can. I, can't, I graduated from White Plains, so you'll have to forgive me. Just kidding. Let's pray. Oh, let's, uh, sorry, let's read. See, there you go, my plans. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight would begin to grow dim so that he could not see, was laying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was laying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of, the, uh, ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay down, lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called to Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Samuel said, Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me at all that he told you. And so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Father, open up our ears this morning. Open up our hearts this morning. God, allow us to listen to what you have to say to us. God, allow me to be a mouthpiece from your word this morning. Let nothing that I say be heretical, Father, uh, but allow it to be from you this morning. God, allow us to listen. God, to open up our hearts, to open up our minds. God, to hear what you have to say to us. And God, as we open up your word, we know that it will not return void. Father, use this time in a mighty way to bring glory and honor to your name. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Church family, you can be seated.
I don't have a TV rolled out because you couldn't read my handwriting anyways. Um, and y'all would be here forever if I sat down and started writing and talking to you because I have a conversation. I don't know if you know this or not, but I am a guy that likes to talk. And that gets me in trouble a lot. So I'm going to try my best to be short, but I'm also going to try my best to decipher and to uh, preach the Word of God faithfully this morning. But I'll never forget the day that I truly uh, surrendered my life to Christ and, and started pursuing a calling into ministry. I had just turned 18, and I knew that I was living a lot. I knew that I, was living, I wasn't living right. I had the head knowledge. My parents uh, had me in church all throughout my younger years, so I knew the answers, right? I knew all the answers when the teacher would call on me or speak or read, uh, but I was living how I wanted to live every other day of the week. See, I thought I hid it well from this church. I grew up in this church. Can you believe that I am a pastor now, by the way? Like, people that knew me, Eddie, Tony, like, I'm an elder. That's insane. Anyways, um, but I was living how I wanted to live every other day of the week. I, I thought I hid it well from my church, only to find out several years later, now being one of your elders here, that nothing <laughs> got by my church family nor my parents. I thought I hid it well. <laughs> Uh, but I was blessed. I really was. I was blessed to be raised by parents that would punish me. Just let y'all know that. I was blessed to be raised by parents that would punish me when they found out all the, the non-wise things that I had done from time to time. I didn't think I, it was a blessing at the time. I'm just letting y'all know that. I don't know if you know that or not. Me speaking on the, the child side, I, it's not a blessing. It was horrible, and I can't believe it. I'm just kidding. No, but I deserved every bit of it and more, right? Uh, but I didn't think it was a blessing at the time, but looking back now, I know that I should have probably been uh, in a lot more trouble than I was in. But I'll never forget the night that God called me to surrender my life to Him. It was the summer camp of 20, uh, 2005. Oh, my goodness. Um, I thought I had everyone fooled, right? But God knew, and I'm, I am pretty sure that Todd Borders knew, too, like, for those of y'all that know Todd, y'all reach out to him. Like, I'm, I'm a product of Todd Borders and Cody Hale. I just want y'all to know if, if I fail, it's all on them. Um, but Russ Donahoe actually was the one that helped me discern what God was doing in my life that night. See, I felt a call on my life for several months, and I kept ignoring it and living how I wanted to live until that night when I could fight it no more. See, God was wanting to use my life for his glory and I surrendered my life to his desires. I didn't know what God had in store for my life. I remember even coming up on this stage as an 18-year-old, coming back from that summer camp, and confessing and admitting to our, my church family with a shock and awe to everybody, hey, God's called me to ministry. That's insane. I didn't know, and I even said it right here. There was a pulpit right here. I believe it was the cross still. There's a pulpit right here, and I spoke, and I said, I believe God is calling me to ministry. I don't know what God is calling me to, but I know that God is calling me. All I, all I knew is I was going to pursue Christ with my life. Today, today, we're going to see how God calls another young man to change the nation of Israel forever. We get a behind-the-scenes look at the calling of Samuel. 
Just a, just a little backdrop, just a little uh, uh, to catch up because we're starting in Samuel 3. Samuel, of course, was the son that was given as a fulfillment of God's promise to Hannah, who had a barren womb. This godly woman then donated her son to the Lord to keep the vow that she had made to God. She honored, she donated her son to the priesthood so that he might serve God for the entirety of his life. See, Samuel, Samuel grew up there in the tabernacle and would learn the priestly duties from Eli. He would even look the part of a priest as he served the Lord faithfully. At, at this point in his life, uh, he had only really known uh, the voice of his mother and the voice of Eli. He had never really known the voice of God. And so here in this passage, God is going to call this young man and begin to use, the, use him in a prophetic figure, as a prophetic figure, in the nation of Israel. This is the backdrop of chapter 3. We'll go into a little bit more detail as we go on, but, but this is the main picture I want you to see today as we dive into verse 1. So look at verse 1 again with me. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Look at that word boy. I, and I, now I wish I kind of had the iPad. That way I could just underline it and be cool like Cody. But underline that word boy there, right? Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. This is referring to Samuel as not really a toddler, but not really an adult. He was somewhere in between. Now, most scholars believe that he was around 12 years old. We get this from uh, the Jewish historian Bocephus. I really wanted to say Bocephus. That's why I put that in there. But we skip over the word boy as if as it's not important. Just a boy. Just a boy. And I don't want you to miss this, especially on Family Dedication Sunday, right? I want to make it clear that kids and teens are capable of serving the Lord. Right now, there are young people all over this campus serving in some way. Once they get into sixth grade, I just want you to know, for those of y'all that don't know Iron City, once they get into sixth grade here at Iron City, we start using them as leaders in our kids' praise area. As they get older, they, they help student ministry. They lead other students in worship. Uh, they work in the nursery and preschool areas here. We have two students right now serving alongside other volunteers in the preschool and in the nursery. I've seen them this morning. I talked to them this morning. Gave them a high five. Thank them so much for serving faithfully. There are a lot of young students serving the Lord here at Iron City any given week. So parents, parents, know that your child right now is capable of doing this and so much more. They're capable of serving the Lord. They're capable. It's our job as parents to encourage them and to help push them to pursue Christ in all that they do. Right? Our children are going to fail. You know how I know that? I failed. My parents are right here. They will attest the, the fact that I failed as a child. I fail each and every day as an adult, but I have placed people in my life that will help me back up and encourage me and push me on, right? Just as we are to do with our children. I want to say this quote. John Oliver, a really good friend of mine in ministry, said it like this. We should not be expecting so low of our children and our students. The reason we expect so low is that we don't want people to expect so much of us. 
this morning, right out of the gate, if you hear nothing else, hear this. Your children are a gift from God. And it's our job as parents and as the church body to point them to Christ in all that we do. We must expect more from our kids. I believe that we fail them when we don't. Let's keep reading because that's just the first verse. (laughs) I'm going to be here all day. Let's, Let's keep reading right here. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was laying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The, the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. Now, Eli no longer could hear the voice of God or see the work of God. First Samuel 2, 12-36, if we were to go back, depicts the demise of Eli's household primarily because of sin. You see, Eli's sons were receiving the sacrificial animals for God's people, but instead of giving the choice meat uh, that belongs to God as a sacrifice on the altar, they were taking it for themselves. They were literally getting fat off of what God was to be given. Not only that, but they were having relationships with the women of the temple as they pleased and doing all sorts of sin and evil deeds in the sight of the Lord. As a result of this, God stripped Eli and his family from their priestly duties. You see, Eli, it's been a long time since he's heard the Lord. Not only are Eli's sons not living as they are to live, but the temple is in disarray. It's not being taken care of as how it's supposed to be taken care of. There's all sorts of things going on. We see in verse 3 that the, the menorah, which was the symbol of God's light given through God's word, is going out. You're not supposed to let that go out. It, it's, it's a terrible situation. The ark of God that contains God's law has been reduced to some kind of tricket or some kind of rabbit's foot that's going to ha- supposedly save them. You, you see, if you, if you keep reading the next chapter, they believe that it's going to save them somehow just because they obtain it. Not because they're walking with the Lord, because they have, they have God's, God's word. It's, it's, it's just a spiritually weak state. And what's going on here, uh, what's going on here, and, and so God's word is just not going out. They're not hearing God's word. They're not listening for God's word. The high priest is going blind and he doesn't see the things of the Lord. He's not really pursuing the things of the Lord either. Things are just not looking really good. And when we read verse 4, notice it says, Then the Lord called Samuel. It is in this state, this state of chaos, God calls Samuel. It is, it is in complete chaos that God brings order. Order, out of order, sorry, out of chaos, God brings order. Out of insanity, God moves. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Look at what's going on right now in our nation. Look what's going on right now in our world today. Afghanistan, our nation is torn apart. Loved ones dying every day from a horrible sickness that we still can't get a hold of. I would say that we are in chaos right now and we need God to intervene. We need God to interrupt our mess and bring order where we can't. See, there, there is no government official who can save us from this chaos. Our Savior is not found in a person. It is in Christ. And the faster that we figure that out and hit our knees and start praying to God to help us and uh, 
to, 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 to follow him to help us instead of hitting social media and stir something else up is when I believe that we will start doing what only, sorry, let me, let me, just, let me do that one more time because I believe this point needs to, needs to get across. There is no government official who can save us from this chaos. I just want to make that clear. Our Savior is not a person. It is, it is in Christ. And the faster that we figure that out and hit our knees and start praying for God to help us instead of hitting social media to stir something else up is when I believe that God will start doing what only He can do. If we are looking for something else to save us, we are looking in the wrong place. We need God to move and intervene in our lives. Without Him, we have no hope. And, and it is in this chaos that, God's, that God calls Samuel. He calls out to Samuel and changes everything when he speaks. That's our first point this morning. This morning, I want you to see that we must be willing to listen to God's Word. We must be willing to listen to God's Word. If you were to look back at earlier chapters in Samuel, you would have noticed that God had been speaking all along. God had been speaking all along, but no one was listening. They, they, were, they were too busy doing their own thing, right? God was speaking, but no one was fully listening to God. Even the priest You know, in my previous job, I worked with uh, communication equipment. I made, made sure things talked to one another, uh, whether it was network communication to audio and visual communication. There, there was a, just to let y'all know, there is a receiver piece, and then there is a transmitter piece. And if those two are not talking properly to one another, uh, the information will not get to where it needs to go. Just plain and simple. Let me give you another example. It's like when Holly wants to ask me a question and I'm watching TV. She will say, hey, babe, and I will respond just like every other male in this room. Yes, ma'am. And, uh, and she will wait until she has my full attention. I'm looking at her right now. My eyes are not on the TV, but they're on her. And that is when she will proceed to tell me what the information that I need to hear. Because otherwise... I will not hear it. I will not listen to it. I will say yes as if I am hearing it. And other men in here, please nod your head. Yes, I'm the only one. But if I'm not focused on her, if my eyes are not on her and on something else, I am not getting the information that she's sitting out. I am not receiving the information. And so that makes me late to a lot of things that I thought I was on time for. But that's how the Word of God was in Samuel's time. God was speaking, but no one was fully listening. God was speaking and transmitting out, but no one was really able to receive it because their focus wasn't on God, but their desires and their passions. See, I would say that it's very much uh, how our world is today. It's, it's not that God is not speaking. It is that people will not listen. Listen to me, church. God is speaking. God is giving direction. God is calling people to come and live for him. And we, just, we are just too busy with our own stuff and our own lives that we shrug it off and say, maybe later. You see, God, God calls to Samuel three times in verse 4 through 8. And each time God does, he goes to Eli thinking that it's him. Calling each time. Eli sends him back 
to sleep each time. Eli doesn't even know what's going on here. In verse 7, now Samuel did, did not yet know the Lord, and the Lord, the Lord, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So Samuel doesn't know the word of the Lord yet. Samuel doesn't know the voice of the Lord yet. But Eli, who is a priest and who has been doing this for his entire life, doesn't get the point. And we have to make notice too, yet. You see that word yet? Underline that word yet in your Bible. Yet. See, this is strange to read. Especially after reading this, this, the, the first few uh, verses. I mean, we read that uh, he, he was growing in the Lord, right? He was doing the things of a priest. He was uh, doing the, the priestly duties. And, and that he enjoyed the favor of the Lord. It was favor from God. What is the writer trying to say here in verse 7? What, is it, what does it mean Samuel did not yet know the Lord? The strangest thing about these words is that they're almost exactly the same as the critical words about Hophni and Phinehas in 1 Samuel 2.12. Let me read that to you. They did not know the Lord. They did not know the Lord. In, in their case, that was part of the description of them as worthless men. It even highlights that up top. Most, most Bibles read that, worthless men. And then we hear this of Samuel. The description of Samuel repeats the word that 2.12 uh, says, but with one significant difference. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The ignorance that he shared with Hophni and Phinehas had this difference. They did not know the Lord because they had rejected the knowledge of God by their contempt for God's law. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That is, this experience of being addressed by the Lord was entirely new to him. See, on one hand, in the case of Hophni and Phinehas, we see that it is not possible to know God at the same time as defying him. You cannot know God and live in disobedience to God. This morning, church, you cannot know God and live in disobedience to God's word. You can't do it. But on the other hand here, in the case of Samuel, we see that it is only possible to know God when God acts to make himself known to you. So we, we see God calling out to Samuel a third time. And uh, this is when Eli begins to realize. It takes him three times. I know it's in the middle of the night. I know that all these other factors are going in. But Eli begins to realize that the Lord was speaking to Samuel. See, don't forget that it has been a long time since Eli, Eli has heard the voice of God. I'm sure that's why it took him so long to realize what God was doing in Samuel's life. So Eli tells Samuel in verse 9 through 10, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. It has taken half this chapter for the word of the Lord to be heard. But at last, there was a servant who was willing to, to listen. But we can't just listen to God's word. We must be willing to respond to God's word. 
See, Samuel responded each time uh, that he thought that Eli was calling him. But he is made aware now that it was the voice of God, and he responded, even still, speak for your servant hears. Even after being made aware, Samuel still responded to God's voice. We need to listen to, for God's voice, and we have to be willing to respond to what God is telling us to do. See, we come in this sanctuary each and every week, and our elders pour out what God is telling them through Scripture. And yet, we leave oftentimes with no response to what we just heard. Every week that we gather and dive into God's Word, know that God is speaking to you. That somehow in His words that He puts something in you that we could never do. I am going to fumble through words and I am going to mispronounce words each and every day, but God is still speaking to you when we open up His words. God meets with you and directs you where to go in your life and He answers the question that you have been asking. He brings conviction to your heart about sin that needs to be abandoned. He meets with you and encourages you, refreshes you, and grows you. We don't have the power and capacity to do these things. I don't. But God does. Our response to God as we listen to his words should be, speak for your servant hears. As we respond and listen, God will speak. It may not be an audible voice, but God will speak. You see, we read passages like this and wonder why we haven't really experienced something like this in the Old Testament. We haven't experienced God in this way. Please don't think, listen to me, church, please don't think of yourselves this morning as people who are less spiritual. There are only a handful of people in the Bible who have had these types of experiences, and it's only happened a couple of times. So we cannot look at this passage and say to ourselves that something must be wrong with us because we don't hear the voice of God audibly. Can I encourage you this morning in saying that God speaks to us. It may not be audible voice like he does here in this passage, but God speaks to us in amazing ways. It may be through a godly friend. Notice I said godly. It may even be through your spouse. Men, listen to me. It may be through your spouse. Women, ladies, listen to me. It may be through your spouse. This past vacation, my wife and I were on, uh, we were really able to unwind and, and relax and, and really talk to one another without three kids screaming in the back of, Daddy, Mama, like, I pooped my pants. Like, that was it's just like, it was, it was great. If you ever, like, let me encourage you. I, if you're able to and, and, and you, can get your, you can get away from your kids, even for a few minutes just to be alone with your spouse, do it. Like, it's, it's great. And let me encourage you to do that. But this past vacation, we were actually able to relax and Holly does all the work when it comes to the kids, so Holly was really able to relax. So, but we during this time we were able to to talk and discuss that uh, the things that that God had placed on our hearts. And for a while now, Holly has been praying that God would speak to me about adopting uh, in the future. And without really really talking to me, God began to work in my heart. And I came to her with this this idea of adoption, like man, she's gonna love me, like this is awesome. And, 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 and I said, hey, babe, I really, I really feel like God is, is calling us to adopt. And then she just stole my thunder. She said, um, she, she began to tell me that that's exactly what she's been praying for God to tell me. 
But nonetheless, God was speaking to me. God was speaking to me, and, and it just took a long time for me to respond. I don't know how long Holly had been praying for that, but from what her, her initial conversation was, it was a while. And I just wasn't listening. This morning, I wonder how, how long God has been speaking to you this morning about issues and things that are going on, and, and we're not listening. God can speak in so many ways, and we can test his voice. Listen, we can test his voice with his word. If those two things don't line up, it isn't God, it's your opinion. If someone is giving you information or supposedly giving you godly advice, whether it be a pastor, an elder, whoever it is, and it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not God's word. It's not from God, it's your opinion. Here at Iron City, we say this all the time, but that, that we are to test everything. Do not take my word as final. Test it with God's word. Test what your elders say. Don't, don't take our word as final. Test it with God's word. If it doesn't line up, it's not from God. Our responsibility as elders is to preach the word of God, to allow God to speak through us as a mouthpiece, just as God did. God is about to do in Samuel, Samuel's life here in verse 11. Let's keep on reading right here. Verse 11, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. In case you missed that part of verse 12, from beginning to end means everything. Complete judgment. Not a single member of the household of Eli will be left. Verse 13, and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. For the iniquity that he knew, for the iniquity that he knew because of his sons were blaspheming God and did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. God's message was not to Samuel, but he was, well, it was a message for Eli, and Samuel was to be the mouthpiece. You see, Samuel didn't know about the previous man of God right here that came to, came to Eli in chapter 2. This man of God, this was, not, this was not Eli's first warning, right? This was not Eli's first strike. This man of God comes up and tells Eli that God is going to bring judgment upon you and your family if you don't change course. And Eli does nothing. And now God, and now God is confirming that through Samuel here in these verses. See, God had repeatedly spoken to Eli, stop, stop and change. And we see in verse 13 that Eli did nothing, did nothing. And now the time to repent is over. That's scary. God even says that, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall be, not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. There was nothing that Eli could do. This makes me think about uh, those who say all the time that, that, that they want to experience life to its fullest. Live how they want to live. Have fun. And, and then, then after all that, I'll get right with God. Later. I'll get right with God later. See, here's the thing, church. There is coming a day where later will no longer be available. 
when you breathe your last on this side of eternity, there is no getting right with God. The Bible does say that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, but that doesn't mean that everyone will be saved. Absolutely not. Those who deny Jesus on this side of death, when they get to that, to that side of death, when you breathe your last here and you realize that there is an afterlife and Jesus really is there and Jesus really is real and these words that we have been speaking to you are true, you will be overcome by his glory and his majesty and his beauty that you will fall to your knees and worship him. But at that moment, it is too late. There is, there is no longer a chance at that point. This morning, maybe the Lord is telling you that repentance starts today. Repentance, repentance should happen now. And it doesn't take a special prayer. It doesn't take some magical words to save you. That can be done right now in your seat. You call out to God for Him to save you. And you are saved. If He's calling you this morning. Repentance has to happen now. You see, the only sin that God will not forgive is the one that you will not repent of, just like Eli is here going on. Because Eli won't repent of his sin and, and get a hold of his family. We see God coming to a boy to deliver the news that he and his entire family is about to be wiped out. Look at verse 15. Samuel uh, lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. Can you imagine, by the way, what's going on in this very scene? I have to tell a grown man, I'm a 12-year-old, most likely a 12-year-old boy, and I'm about to tell him his him and his entire family is about to be wiped out. That's not easy. But the thing that stands out to me here in verse 15 is that the fact that Samuel was up and opening doors to the temple and doing his responsibility as a young priest. That is like me when my mom told me to do something like clean the house, fold the laundry, and I didn't do it until like the very last minute when I heard the garage door come up and I was just slinging laundry everywhere, like I knew I was in trouble. Right? I, that's what I feel like kind of is, is what's going on with Samuel right here. He, he is about to have to say something that, that Eli will not take well, but he does. Two things to make a note that and we see that he was afraid to tell Eli that God had, what God had said. But you have to realize, too, that this was a big deal. Uh, it has been years. It has been years since the people heard from the Lord because of their sin. So imagine this excitement and this nervousness all at the same time as he prepares to tell Eli just what God had said. Verse 17, he, he, he tells him. And Eli said, what was that that he, that he told you? Do not hide from me. May God, may God do to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. The last thing I want you to see this morning is, is we are to listen to God's word. We are to respond to God's word. And finally, we, are, we must be willing to obey God's word. We have to be willing to obey what God has called us to do. 
We have to be willing to say yes to what God is asking for us to do in his word. J.D. Greer says this over and over again at his church, but he says it like this, that God reveals himself to us, opens himself up to us when we put our yes on the table with God without reservation or hesitation. We must be obedient to his word because when we are obedient to God's word, we grow closer and closer to God and begin to experience the call that God has placed on our life. I was saved that night by the grace of God because I heard God's call and I responded to God's call and I obeyed God's call. We see this take place in Samuel's life as well. Verse 19, And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again to Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. One more thing to underline right there. I want you to either write this out on your paper or underline this sentence. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Revealed himself by the word of the Lord. Underline that, right? This morning, God wants to reveal himself to you by his word. Many people look for an experience, uh, look for experience with God, and yet their Bibles closed and dusty on a shelf somewhere, and have they, they digitally, they have it on their phone, but yet never open it. It's in the cloud somewhere. If you want God to speak to you, if you want to see him work in your life, if you want him to call you and equip you and empower you, then open up his word and stop expecting it some other way. You will absolutely be spoken to by God every time you open up his word. Church, whatever your age is today, my question to you is, will you listen to God's voice? Will you respond with speak for your servant hears? And more importantly, will you obey what God is calling you to do. Say yes. Put your yes on the table for God this morning. Let's pray. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, and what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.